Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Kevin Jackson Radio Show. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Open extortion. That's what the Democrats are doing right now. Geraldo Rivera is urging Biden to pardon Trump. Quote, the way Ford pardoned Nixon with one major condition. Trump, (coughs) pardon me, must agree to no longer seek the presidency. Now, I want you to understand what's going on here. A certified crook who was unduly elected, was put into the office in a coup, is being asked publicly to pardon a guy who did nothing wrong and ask him, and as part of the conditions of the pardon, he can't run for office. What kind of upside-down world do we live in? Welcome, folks. Kevin Jackson here. You're listening to the Kevin Jackson Network. This is insanity. Trump can't run again, and he's done nothing, absolutely nothing wrong. But Biden, I mean, at the way that we're going, yes, he would serve a a second term. We would be happy in our misery. We would watch inflation continue to rise, gas prices to continue to rise, people losing their homes, committing suicide, losing their businesses, lockdown, government oppressing in ways that we never would have imagined. That is the world that apparently the left wants to live in. This is pure insanity. And, oh, what about the, the feckless Republicans? Well, the FBI, if they better turn it over or else. Well, they're not turning it over. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll hold them in contempt. Okay, great. So what's that going to do? The FBI has refused to turn over a non-classified document. It wouldn't matter to me if it's classified. Turn it over. More contempt, just like Eric Holder did. And the threat is, oh, we'll hold him in contempt. Okay, great. You hold him in contempt. What did it do? Eric Holder's free. Who's running this country? Seriously, do we have a rule of law or do we not? Show it to me on the border. Show it to me with the IRS, who will come to your home and arrest you. Ask LeVar Finnegan. Well, you can't ask him because he's dead. Ask his family if there's rule of law. Should you respect the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, people who will spy on you, people who will do absolutely evil things to you? Why? Not because you did anything wrong, but to further their own agenda. Ask Pfizer. (laughs) I mean, really? I saw this pill that Pfizer's advertising now. 
listen, if you get COVID, if you feel the symptoms of COVID, you've got five days to take our new pill. And you know what it'll do? It'll lessen the symptoms. It'll do blah, blah, blah. You know what? I'm going to create a pill. Let's just call it, uh, I don't know, a sugar pill. And you take my pill and it will let, I can't guarantee you you won't die, but it'll lessen the symptoms of COVID. I'll give you my little sugar pill with a grain of salt. You know, little make it feel like, you know, it has a little bit of, of dissonance. That's what you need to make sugar taste good. Just a little touch of salt. The protection of the Biden family is what we're witnessing here. And for the life of me, I don't know why. Why would you protect this family of this Maury qualified family, a family of crackheads and other deviants, a family where I, you should see the meme where they talk about Hunter Bi- Joe Biden showers with his daughter. Hunter Biden, they say, had sex with his cousin, maybe his sister. I don't remember the meme. You have to look it up. Don't don't rely on me for the facts. But here's what I do know. Joe Biden did shower with Ashley. Hunter Biden <clears throat> did have sex with his dead brother's wife, fooled around on her, got a, a stripper pregnant, doesn't claim the baby, is a crackhead who has put his family into business with some pretty evil people. Those are the facts. And that's me keeping it light. If you dig in deeply, holy cow, what do you find? Sex trafficking and prostitutes and illegal weapons and all kinds of stuff. That's just on the surface. And we have an FBI, a DOJ that goes, we're going to protect them. And here's the real question. And I think this is on the mind of everybody. Look, Republicans, stop acting like Tommy Toughbutt. Either do something or just say, hey, look, we found out a bunch of stuff about them, but you know what else? They're going to get away with it. They're going to get away with it. Just like they got away with cheating in the election, just like they got away with arresting people for this fictitious January 6th staged event that they put together. And I could go on. They're going to get away with it because at least they would be telling us the truth and we could just move on with our lives. Because right now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not too happy about this. I'm sick of waking up every day, looking at Google News, seeing absolutely nothing about Hunter Biden's indictments, nothing involving this family. When we know with 100 percent certainty, we've got bank records, we've got SARS reports, we've got all kinds of things. We could follow the money on this in two days and know exactly what we already know, which is the Biden family benefited at the expense of the American taxpayer. We are setting policy based on what Joe Biden and his family did, and nobody seems to care on the left. But you could bet your sweet buttocks, if this were Trump and his family or any other Republican, you'd know all about it. Impeachment proceedings would be flowing and Republicans would be agreeing with it. Are you sick of this? Because if you are, you're going to have to change tactics. Are you sick of relying on Republicans? Just asking. Because I don't know about you. If I'm going to send people to the fight, I'm going to send warriors, not Girl Scouts. It's a lot of tough talk. I say, and look, I don't know process. I don't know procedure, but I know this. If the FBI wouldn't let me exercise my constitutional right, I would arrest Christopher Ray. I'd figure out a way to do it. 
I would make sure that the people that sit in the sit in those offices understand we mean business. Are they going to do this? Of course not. Bunch of toothless, clawless tigers. It's pathetic. This country is to say it's not what I'm used to is that's such an understatement. It's ridiculous. This is not even this is nowhere close to the country that that I know and that I love. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't feel like you got to get in the game, I don't know what else to tell you. Folks, you are important in this message. You are important. Your voice must be heard. And if you can't deliver it, you better be doing it through somebody that can help you deliver your voice because I know you're frustrated. That's why I do this every day. Short break. We'll be back. This is the Kevin Jackson Radio Show. Kevin Jackson Radio Show. And it didn't cost us a dime. I can tell you, when you want to know that you live in the crazy world of leftism, where up is down and down is up and right is wrong and wrong is right, this was on, what, like Yahoo Finance. I'm listening to this clip because I was watching my Tesla stock. And I'm looking at this clip and listening to this clip and a guy actually said that a downgrade isn't as bad as it seems. Folks, Kevin Jackson's here. You're listening to the Kevin Jackson Network, 844-551-8255. So we got downgraded in the Obama administration during the Obama years. Trump got us upgraded. And now we've been downgraded. I don't know whether it's Moody's or whatever. But here's a guy talking about this. In the time of Joe Biden, and he says it may not be as bad as you think to be downgraded. I don't know when when have you ever heard in your life that this got downgraded, except for a tropical storm. <laughs> Let's take hurricanes out. When is a downgrade better? Like if somebody said to you, Yeah, you know, I heard you got divorced, Kevin. Yeah, but I got a new girl. Oh, I see you downgraded, <laughs> right? When is when has that ever been a compliment? A downgrade. Now, you might go, we had a bigger house and we're now we're empty nesters. We want to downsize. Okay. But if you move like one of my one of my friends, his name is Jesse. He changed his name to Sumerian. But Jesse was riding high on the hog. He had his and her Mercedes. They bought him a new house. He ran a rebar business in Austin, Texas. And the next time I saw him, he he was driving a hoopty. Kids look like they yeah. I mean, wife had her nails done before. Now she looked like she was a gardener with no gloves. Okay, get what I'm saying? The times were hard. <laughs> you see that you can see the naps in that pretty hair of hers. So I said to him, What's up? He said, Hey man, he said, fell on hard times. He downgraded. You get what I'm saying? And it was noticeable that he downgraded financially. I mean, he still loved his wife. She was a cute girl, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You get what I'm saying? But he downgraded. When is a downgrade good? Here's what the guy said. Debt limit deal is getting more urgent as credit rating agency Fitch puts U.S. debt on rating watch negative. Yahoo Finance's Rick Newman is following that story. And Rick, a lot of people saying 
This feels like 2011 all over again, although the downgrade has not happened yet. Right. And it's really worth going back to 2011 to figure out what might happen if if uh, there is a downgrade by Fitch or by Moody's or by any other uh, rating agency. When this happened in 2011, it felt cataclysmic, like like this was something that was never supposed to happen. And it might change everything about uh, the way the United States issues debt and the credit credit worthiness of the United States. And that did not happen. In fact, something crazy happened in 2011, which is you would have expected when when your credit rating goes down almost all the time, you have to pay more to borrow because you're considered to be a, a riskier bet. The opposite happened in 2011, which is that U.S. Treasury rates actually went down, ironically, because the whole situation uh, sent people out of risk assets such as stocks and into what they considered safer assets. And what did they consider to be the safest asset they could find? U.S. Treasuries, the very asset that effectively just got uh, had just gotten downgraded by Standard & Poor's. So um, the United States has continued to enjoy the lowest borrowing costs in the world since then. Now, they've gone up uh, lately as overall interest rates have gone up. But given that we went through this once in 2011 and basically survived with hardly any damage, uh, that could be what happens again if Fitch actually would go ahead and uh, downgrade the U.S. credit rating. Now, Fitch has basically said we're only going to do that if there is some sort of of default scenario, and, and let's remember, let's define default correctly. Default means very specifically not making interest payments on U.S. debt. Okay, there you have it though, folks. If we don't make our interest payments on the debt and they do downgrade us, well, if 2011 is any indication, it's not cataclysmic, it's kind of like this. Here's the way I look at it. Well, if somebody breaks into your house and you've got five TVs, and they steal two of them. It's not cataclysmic, because you can still watch TV. Now, if they break in again, and they steal two more, it's not cataclysmic, because you still have one TV. But when does it finally get to the point of cataclysmic? I mean, here, here's the way, I'm, I'm going to approach this from a common sense point of view, Okay. I don't know, remember when, I want to say it was in the 70s, was, a, was the last time we were debt-free. Reagan got us into debt. There's no doubt about that. He did. We, we were going to spend our way to prosperity. And if we had kept it around that range, I think we'd be fine. But sometime between the 70s and now, we have amassed 30-plus trillion dollars of debt. Now, that is... What, what are we, we, where our GDP is something like 17, 18 trillion. So for the sake of discussion, let's say it's two years of us working for free is the, every American working for free to pay off our debt. Well, when does it finally get to the point where we go? It's untenable because here's what I can tell you. If you were twice as much in debt for what you earned in a year. You know, so let's say forgetting your house and th because the government doesn't have a house per se, but forgetting your real estate, how much debt can you occur as an individual? I don't have an answer for the, just for the record. And, and let me tell you why there is no pat answer. Some people can handle more debt than others. Some people have a skill set that says I can go out 
and go create more money than the average person so I'm able to make my debt disappear. But some people don't. And my only question is, and it's an individual question, when would the alarm bell go off for you? If you, if the, the most money that you guys, you, your wife, the kids, everybody earn, if, if you were double that, let's say your, your earning power was a, half, a quarter million dollars a year between you and your spouse, and you were half a million dollars in debt, and I'm not talking about your house, because your house isn't typically an asset. And you don't have that much money tied up in it. It's just a payment that you're making until you finally own it. But if you were legitimately in that much debt, credit cards, where you you couldn't pay the bills, and the only answer for you was you had to keep raising your debt ceiling, so to speak, when would the light go on for you? Now, I'm not stupid. I understand the microeconomics is different than the macroeconomics because the government can't print money. But it doesn't mean you get to print as much as you want. And this downgrade, for them to pretend, oh, well, listen, Ed, we've, we've got some history here. It was downgrade. We got a little more history than that. How about we go back into the, the Great Depression? How about we go back there and, and see what the, what the issues regarding money were? These people are so cavalier. So what? We're going to have more debt. So what? We got trillions of dollars of debt that we may never pay back that we will put onto the backs of our children and our grandchildren and the rest of posterity who cares go have fun because in 2011 it worked this is the kevin jackson radio show has to end here. Uh, actually, it's just gotten started. No! This is the Kevin Jackson Radio Show. So, as for the Durham report, 300 pages, four years investigating the investigators, one of the things that did come out of it was that procedures, regular FBI procedures were ignored, that steps were, were missed along the way in this investigation. In fact, Director Ray said when the report came out, yeah, we acknowledged that a couple of years ago, and we've changed all that. Those changes are already in place. Do you acknowledge perhaps that some mistakes were made along the way? Oh, definitely. And they were found four years ago by the inspector general. So there's nothing new in this new document. That was James Comey. Nothing to see here. There's nothing new. That's their deal. If you go back and you do a mashup, it'll, no, there's nothing new. There's been nothing new. There's what, what did it reveal? Nothing. It's a big nothing burger. That, that's what you would hear in a mashup because that's what the left wants you to believe. There's nothing new here. Durham's report comes out, shows that the FBI at every level politicize and weaponize themselves against Donald Trump, but nothing new. I mean, come on. You know we were going after the guy, right? I mean, certainly you can see clearly that if we're targeting Trump, there's nothing new here. Do you get the irony? They know they're wrong. They know what they've done is wrong, but of course, this par for the course. doesn't the end justify the means? Didn't we get what we wanted out? I mean, why are we on this? That's what the, the one dude said. Why are we talking about Hunter Biden and, and this stuff? You know, his, his records and, and his bank records and, and his laptop and all these things. What, what, what's that doing to, to benefit the public? 
Mm, well, I have an answer. Maybe it's because we don't expect our public officials and their kids to use the American people as their little piggy bank. We don't expect them to feather their nest at our expense. We see that as a violation of the public trust. If it's really for the greater good, then why isn't the greater good benefiting? Welcome, folks. Kevin Jackson's who you're talking to or listening to. You might be talking to me. 844-551-8255 if you want to give me a ring. Um, This is... I don't, I, I mean, I, I get to get on here and I do the show and some of this stuff is just so unbelievable. I mean, Comey's like, yeah, I mean, come on. You know, it was tough times. Go ahead. Let's play the rest of that. What were some of those mistakes from your point of view? Oh, that the FBI didn't communicate clearly the status of certain sources. They didn't double check certain information before putting it in a court application for a foreign intelligence wiretap and a bunch of others. Did you hear that? They didn't communicate clearly. What did he say? I had to stop it there. Uh, but And a bunch of others. They didn't check the information. They didn't communicate clearly. I mean, but, you know, uh, look, this is all reported. Do we really need to go back and look at what the FBI did? What's, what Durham reports? Durham said they targeted Trump because essentially because of ideology political ideology they didn't do anywhere near the level of due diligence you would expect that that level of law enforcement they are supposed to be the best do you, i mean should we go back and review some of what durham said and comey is very cavalier i mean yeah okay so we didn't communicate i mean really that's your crime we didn't communicate clearly communicate what that you were targeting Trump and anybody associated with him? What exactly were you missing? I'd really like to know. Let's. I, I really want to go back and look at this Durham report. So let's take just a second and look at some of the things that were said. I want to read a few things from that report. But uh, anyway, he says, uh, Based on a review of crossfire hurricane and related intelligence activities, we conclude that the department and the FBI failed to uphold their important mission of strict fidelity to the law in connection with certain events and activities. Pardon me, described in this report. Strict fidelity. That's a mild way of saying that the FBI completely screwed the pooch. Strict fidelity emails saying he can't win, can he? Let's get him. Uh, there's no way he's going to win. We, we're not going to let that happen. I mean, I don't know all the different things, but you know what they are. Unbelievable. Here's the other. Durham criticized the FBI applications for surveillance for displaying a serious lack of analytic rigor and a cavalier attitude towards accuracy and completeness. In other words, it was shoddy work. It was it it didn't. They were moving so fast to get Trump that they couldn't even dot the I's and cross the T's. They were just like, we got to get him at all cost. Obama was briefed. Did you know that they referred Comey and McCabe for charges in the Department of Justice threw it out? This thing reeks of a conspiracy. Do you believe, I don't know about you, 
I don't trust this government one bit. It will not change until the day that I die. I don't trust them. And I was, you know, I was literally giving, thinking to myself the other day, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit. After I dug more into this, I went, there is nothing. We live in a matrix. <laughs> I'm watching this stupid movie, The Matrix. Well, it may, I mean, it's not stupid, but you know what I mean. I mean, I, it, it wasn't anything that was going to improve my life. But I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, wow, that's a really interesting fantasy world. It isn't a fantasy world. We live in the matrix. We live where they make it. We believe we've got this certain reality around us. It doesn't exist. If you're raising your kids to play by the rules, you, you're, you're dooming them for failure. Uh, unless they never want to be political. They're just not going to come what may. If, if that's what you want to raise them to be, you'll be fine. But let me tell you, you're going to be better off telling your kids how the game is played. Don't let them get on that chessboard without knowing how the game is played. Because if you do, you're doing them a disservice. Here's the next one. Um, it, oh, they called it Crossfire Hurricane. He said the speed and manner in which the FBI opened and investigated Crossfire Hurricane during the presidential election season based on raw, unanalyzed, and uncorroborated intelligence also reflected a noticeable departure from how it approached prior matters. Let me scroll down here. Involving possible attempted foreign election interference plans aimed at the Clinton campaign. So what he's saying is we compared what you did with Clinton and what you did with Trump and you did two dramatically different things. Now, as Comey would say, well, we're not really sure on what the intent was. Yeah, we are. We know exactly what the intent was. This is amazing to me. And I, and I want to juxtapose this with what's going on with the Biden family now. We don't have just one example. We've got multiples. And these people are all protected. That's what I don't understand. How do we get behind this gauntlet of protection that they're giving these criminals? Here's what Senator Johnson had to say about Hunter Biden. One thing that we don't talk enough about, uh, I know President Biden's just so proud of his son, but let's, you know, we have the evidence that Hunter Biden paid for, paid tens of thousands of dollars for prostitutes that were sex trafficked through an international sex trafficking ring. Oh. I mean, I mean, uh, yes, ick. And President Biden, during about a four or five month period, offered to pay for about $100,000 of, of Hunter Biden's bills when he was spending tens of thousands of dollars on these women who are sex trafficked. Now, if, if that is at a minimum morally reprehensible and wrong, and the president's defending that, and the media isn't even looking well, into it. Well, wouldn't that be a felony? I mean, if you're I doing business with a sex trafficking ring, that, that's more than ethically offensive. It is grotesque, but the media doesn't concentrate on it. We had that in our report. We, we had the, the business, the, the financial transactions proving it. James Comer does the same thing. But again, it's, it, it is so icky. It's so reprehensible. It is. People don't want to talk about it, but it's just galling to hear the president talk about how proud he is of Hunter. And he, he, he enables this. 
he enables it by propping up his son, both in, in terms of those types of words as well as financially. It's, it's really pretty sick. Indeed it is sick, Senator Johnson. We live in a sick world. And I'm going to tell you guys, the more I dig into this, the more I'm, I'm thinking to myself, they could get away with this. Now, here's the good news. The good news is you don't have to let them. The good news is you can vote every one of these people out. The good news is you can get involved in election integrity and make sure that they don't cheat. The good news is you can go and every single time somebody brings something up, you counter it with your message. That's the good news. Now, the question is, are you going to go spread the good news? Are you going to go counter these narratives of the left where these knuckleheads are out there saying bad things about you and saying what you are as they get away with murder? Sit tight. This is the Kevin Jackson Radio Show. The Kevin Jackson Radio Show. Con Kevino Jacksones. So I have an acquaintance and, uh, you know, people that you meet online and things like this. And I think me and this particular person have known each other for years. I, I know we've gone back and forth and I keep all my threads so you can, you know, see all that stuff. And um, we were chatting the other day and um, he said he's got a, a friend in Hollywood that he's been inter- interacting with with his business and this particular person retired from a TV show I don't know which one popular lady uh, in the show and just gave up Hollywood and I knew who she was because she was a fan at least I think I wasn't sure if it was a uh, like the real, real her but she was a fan of my work for quite some time and um, I wasn't sure, as I said, I think I sent a note one time and said, hey, good, good to know you're out there on our side. Because, you know, we always try to encourage the people in Hollywood that they are safe when they come to the conservative side. This lady's name is Pauly, by the way, and she was on, what was the show? NCIS? Anyway, welcome, folks. Kevin Jackson, so you're listening to the Kevin Jackson Network, 844-551-8255. So I tell you this story because this friend of mine who knows this person a lot better than I do was like, yeah, we talk all the time. You know, she was telling me about her leaving the show and she's just done with Hollywood, yada, yada, yada. And and I was like, oh, well, cool. So I get a text from him says, oh, um, turns out this Pauly person hates Trump. And I said, well. You're kind of a big Trump fan, right? Yeah. And I said, well, did, did you bring it up? And he goes, well, no. I go, well, why not? So, and, and here's the, the point of this particular part of the story. Here's a person who meets this person out of Hollywood, who, by the way, means nothing more to me than any, anybody else. But he apparently likes having this dialogue with this particular person. Maybe it makes him feel like he knows somebody who's a big deal and he won't bring up that. Well, I'm, I like Trump. If somebody said to me, I don't care who they are, man, I I hate that guy, Trump. I would say, well, 
hate's kind of a big word. Why do you hate him? That would be my first question. I'd be curious about them. Why do you hate him? And in this particular case, I don't think he asked. He just kind of brushed over it. And I said, why did you not have the guts? Did you not have the, why would you not say, I happen to like him. I mean, I like his style. I mean, I'd agree with everything he does, but I like him. I like his, the outcome. Because what I'm, what I'm getting at is I think this person is afraid to lose this so-called friendship. And he got together with this lady due to business, the business that he's in. And she was like, well, I'm interested. And he goes, you wouldn't believe who I talked to the other day. I'm like, who was it? Polly. I said, yeah, I think that she used to follow me on Facebook before my page got banned. I think she used to follow me. I remember writing to her and saying, hey, thanks for following my work. Now, given what she said about Trump, I don't know. Maybe she would have changed her mind about my work at this point. I, I really don't know. But here's what I do know. He's not saying what he would say or what he should say, because I think he doesn't want to lose his friend. And I don't find this person to be a friend at all. And here's what I will tell you. If Paulie, if if that person feels comfortable enough to say, I don't like Trump and you are a friend, shouldn't you be comfortable enough to say, well, I don't like Biden or I like Trump. And it goes back to when I was talking about getting on the board of this company. Here I am getting on the board of a company and they say to me, well, we got to, Kevin, will you do this and do that? And your political this, that, and the other. And I'm going, what's that got to do with you with being on the board? That is the formation of who I am. The, the reason why the CEO of this company asked me to be on the board was we were at dinner one night and he said, you are really sharp on multiple sectors, multiple things that involve my business. Would you want to be on my board? You have value to add. Whatever those experiences are, political and otherwise, you bring value. I don't think he did it because he was like, well, I got to reach a quota, which he could have. I mean, it certainly would have been within the possibility because now they're, oh, we want to look at your board and make sure you got enough Guatemalan midgets on there because Lord knows if you don't have enough Guatemalan midgets, we'll sue you. But I wasn't chosen for that. If that's a benefit to him, fantastic. But when we sat at dinner and talked about his company and I did a little five minute overview of it and he sat there and went, holy crap, man, where'd all that come from? That was it. But you get scrutinized on the right. And, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I know many of you are out there and you're not saying a word. I had a guy, very powerful guy that we're doing some work with. And he goes, I voted for Trump twice, but I, I can't stand him. And I hope he doesn't go again. I go and I said to him, would you are you going to vote for him again if he wins? And he was like, I, I don't know. And I said, well, I will. And I left it at that. I wasn't just going to leave it out there that you, you can hate Trump and I'm going to join you. I'm not joining you. If you can't respect my views on something, why do I need to be, quote, friends with you? Friends don't agree on everything. Let me tell you, my be one of my best buddies in life 
we disagreed. We came, I mean, we came up much the same, raised by, you know, I, well, had single mothers. My mother passed away, but he was raised by a single mother, a strange father, uh, first generation. Uh, well, I, my older brother went to college first, but I was one that the next one that went to college. So we had a lot in common. But he smoked weed. I didn't. And I remember he, he, we would be around him and somebody would say, hey, man, you smoke some weed. And I was like, why, why do you smoke it? I don't care. And he would give me all kinds of excuses. I go, you, if the guy hadn't brought it up, you wouldn't have even wanted it. So he brings it up and you do it. Is it peer pressure? And he was like, oh, man, I mean, if, if it's somebody else's weed, I'm going to smoke it, man. I, I, you know, and I'm going, okay, whatever. And we disagreed for a long time. And, and it got to the point where I didn't say anything. If he smoked, I didn't care. But I would be like, uh-uh, I'm wearing too good of clothes. I'll take my own car. You know, stuff like that. But I didn't moralize about it. But we disagreed on it. By the way, very successful dude now. Very successful. But, you, you know, when we were coming up, I was like, man, you just, you're messing up, messing up. But another thing, he used to have gold teeth. And he would go interview. This guy's an amazing sales guy. And he had gold teeth, two gold teeth, not on his big ones, but on the ones right next to the big ones. And he would say, man, Kev, I got to the, to the fifth interview and, and they didn't pick me. And I go, one day we were sitting around after three good companies that he had interviewed with and, and went all the way through. And I know why he went through. They were overlooking his gold teeth. And finally, I said, you want to know why you're not getting a job? And he goes, what? I said, those gold teeth. I go, you look like the typical black dude. I go, why'd you get them in the first place? Oh, man, that's just how things were. I know. That's how it is on the street. My grandfather had a gold tooth. My uncles have gold, had a gold, at least one gold tooth. It became a thing for black people, but it was not a thing for other people. You're going to be out in sales. They want a nice, fresh smile. No gold, no diamond, no grill, whatever. So he got his teeth done. And guess what? Changed his whole life. But I wasn't going to pull any punches. I would never have gotten gold teeth. I grew up with people that had gold teeth. My grand, grandparents had gold, uh, a gold little uh, ring, not, I guess, a, a, you know, like a thing to surround the tooth. Not the whole tooth, but a little gold band around tooth on their dentures, <laughs> for goodness sakes. I mean, goodness, come on. It was just a thing. So... I guess going back to the point is if you can't be genuine, sometimes being genuine means you don't understand your feelings and somebody needs to help you. But you need to be able to express it and you need to be able to to accept that help, knowing that the person cares and that it's not going to be you're not going to be ostracized or you're not going to be kicked to the curb because you have a different view with somebody. (laughs) And I wish you guys could hear the conversations I have with some of my friends. We are genuine to our core, sometimes to our rotten cores. But if you can't be that, you're not in a friendship. You're just setting yourself up for failure. Putting an end to identity politics. And now for something completely different. This is the Kevin Jackson Radio Show. 
This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.